Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. This is England is Burning for Tuesday, the 20th of April in 2021. It is a Tuesday, and this is your Arsenal Weekly Special. I have Josh back from the Islington Gazette, and one of these days I'll get the word Islington correct. Okay, it is Josh is back with us today to talk about Arsenal women uh, on our weekly feature, and we have a lot to talk about uh, today. Josh, welcome back. Yeah, yeah, thank you for having me again. Appreciate it. Um, I'm glad to have you. You always bring some wonderful insights, and I'm sure you're going to have a lot of insights about what we got to talk about today, uh, and so forth. So let's talk about first. Let's let's talk about actually the, the before we talk about what's happening off the pitch, which right now, as you know, as we all know out there, unless you've been living in a cave uh, somewhere for the last three days, uh, that that football Twitter has been broken. It is broken uh, with the news of this Super League thing. Uh, so we're going to talk about how and talk a little bit more about the impact of the potential impact of that on the women's game further on. There's been some a little bit of development on that. But let's talk about uh, the FA Cup. So Arsenal uh, was in the FA Cup fourth round. Uh, it's now started up, uh, and they played Gillingham uh, over yeah. the weekend, uh, and that ended up being a 10-0 affair. Uh, not surprising, I would say. Uh, what were your thoughts, Josh, about the ladies' performance in that match? Yeah, it was it was a really professional performance from Arsenal on, on Sunday. Um, look, to be honest with you, it was uh, – Sort of Gillingham haven't played much football this year because obviously coronavirus and and and, and they're purely amateur. So mm-hmm. you expected Arsenal to come out and and, and make a statement. And uh, a few people will probably complain about a ten 0 scoring and say it's uncompetitive and things like that. But you got to praise Arsenal. Uh, they were professional and they they give Gillingham their food respect. Um, they didn't mm-hmm. take they didn't take the food off the gas on on, on Sunday. They did keep going, and okay, yeah, ten 0 doesn't look good, but it shows you that that, that Arsenal were, were Arsenal were just doing their job on, on Sunday, and and that was the main objective to get through to the next round of the FA Cup, which they successfully manoeuvred and doing. Um, I thought Arsenal were were in really control from the start, and they were three 0 up inside the first thirteen minutes, um, which the game was sort of done then mm-hmm. um, but for a play to Gillingham you know they, they never stopped and they gave all they could and a, a special shout out to the Gillingham goalkeeper Cara Davis who I thought was despite conceding 10 goals I thought was actually very very good in the game I thought she was obviously going to have a lot to do um, I think Arsenal had 42 shots in that game um, which is pretty incredible really um, so yeah look, it was a really professional performance from Arsenal and it was very much job done, and and in the next round against Crystal Palace. But yeah, it was a it was a, it was a great performance, and can't really complain about it. But like I say, I think Arsenal showed Gillingham a lot of respect by by scoring more more goals than just sort of taking the foot off the gas. And there was an incident at the West Ham game this weekend, and it's caused a, a little bit of a, a I wouldn't say I wouldn't say an uproar, but it's caused a little bit of a stir that. West Ham were sort of in a similar position to Arsenal and they brought on their goalkeeper to play centre midfielder and Arsenal didn't. Arsenal were very, very... Uh, they brought on Ted Goldie, 16-year-old, for a debut, but the subs that they brought off the bench are established internationals um, and they brought them on all in the right positions. Um, so, yeah, Arsenal were... It was just a really professional and cool performance, really. And there was... Obviously, there was no problems at the end. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and for for American watchers and, and listeners to this program, it, it, one of the things that I want to impart on 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 y'all because in the United States, a ten nil soccer scoreline, you know, sort of doesn't you know doesn't wash well with the American audience. But let me explain why ten nils ten nil is okay in in this respect, and it is considered disrespectful, is it not, and inappropriate actually for a team, even though they may be up by multiple goals, six, seven goals and so forth, it is actually disrespectful to the opponent to take the foot off the gas against them. It's considered actually uh, rather actually disrespectful instead of the other way around, Uh, you know, to, to not be, it's almost considered uh, as you mentioned, being the Arsenal being very professional. uh, It's considered unprofessional to just stop and to just, you know, be like not not give it your all and play the game out and get ease off on on opponents in the United States. Uh, it, it's you know it may have been considered to be running up the score and things like that. And there's thought you know a lot of thoughts about that at least here in the U.S. and maybe elsewhere. But I, I can speak as an American on that. But I know it's the other way. The thought process is the other thing around. And Arsenal clearly were like. Now nah, we're going to play the game out the way we're going to play it. And the scoreline is going to be the scoreline. Uh, and they, they were very respectful of their opponent in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Gillingham will, will learn a lot from that game. Um, yes. mm-hmm. they're, they're playing top athletes and, and top professionals. So, yeah, I think I think they're going to learn more about themselves in that game than rather than if, if Arsenal sort of did take the foot off the gas and, and, and start sort of messing around with it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, I think Gillingham will, will 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 have a lot of lessons to learn. And like I said, because of coronavirus, their league was was suspended, so they haven't they've, they've, they've played one match. Um, going into that Arsenal game, that was the the last round in the FA in the FA Cup against Cheltenham, uh, which they won after extra time. So, look, I, I've got the utmost uh, uh, respect for for Gillingham. They give it a, they give it a go, and the, the bet they, they, they can go in that. They could go home after the game with no regrets because they give everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like Arsenal were were, were really really professional in, in performance and yeah, um, it was and they were clinical as well. Um, Jill roared with it with a hat trick in, in the first half. I thought she was a, a big thing. I actually noticed about it at the weekend was the athleticism uh, and strength that Arsenal had compared to Gillingham. Um, they were really, really athletic, and they were just fitter. I, I think that was a major factor at the weekend. Well, certainly, when, I mean, and certainly given the world-class lineup that, that was put on the pitch, uh, you know, of internationals and so forth who were coming back from international break that, that have, you know, the, the, the gap in the, qual- in, in the quality of the squad, the gap in preparation, the, you know, all those things are present and so forth. So it, it's clear that Arsenal is going to be, is going to be fitter. Um, yeah. my question for you was, was that, you know, clearly Joe Montemero wanted, uh, you know, wanted to have a, you know, a solid competitive lineup. It was not in the case of Chelsea, which Chelsea, Emma Hayes, had kind of explained that, that because players were just coming back from international break and now turning around and have a game of FA cup game very close. And then with the yeah. set of games that they have coming up, it was understood 
as to why she rotated her squad. Yeah. Uh, you know, but in terms of, you know, Manchester City did not rotate their squad. United did not rotate their squad that much. And neither did Arsenal. Um, and so the, I'm guessing, though, that the purpose was to put, you know, a, con- the, a competitive team on the field, regardless of opponent. Yeah, well, I think Arsenal, like, uh, when you, if you compare them to Chelsea, for example, um, Chelsea have got Manchester City tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, mm-hmm. in a huge game, and then they're in the Champions League this week um, on, on on Sunday. Um, Arsenal, yeah, okay, they've got league games coming up, but they can sort of afford to, mm-hmm. like, they've got a, they don't like to play it on Sunday, and they don't have a game until this Sunday against Brighton, so they've got time to to obviously to rest and, and recuperate and recover uh, in between that, um, but yeah, look, it was Joe, again. It was it was respect from Joe Montemurro. He he played a, a, a strong lineup. I mean, I mean, it doesn't matter who Arsenal put out. It is a strong lineup. They're like you said, they're full of internationals from Netherlands, Austria, um, England, and and countries like that, Australia. So they're always going to have a strong lineup. But no, I think it was just very much pick a strong team, get the job done and, and get through into the next round of the, uh, round of the FA Cup. And hopefully, because let's, let's be realistic, the, the FA Cup, obviously it, do, it doesn't finish until next season, but it's Arsenal's only chance to win a, a trophy from the 2020-21 season. Right. So right. this Arsenal, need, obviously as well as qualifying for the Champions League, Arsenal is all about silverware. Mm-hmm. And this is the last chance to win silverware from this season, albeit it's finishing next season with a with a new manager at Arsenal. There, but uh, that this this is Arsenal's all about trophies, and I, I don't and and it's crucial to get to get through into the the latter stages of the FA Cup. Absolutely, I mean, with someone with a not someone, but with a a club as Arsenal is is the most decorated club in in women's football in England. Um, you know, the only English squad to win a Champions League uh, on the women's side. You know, so yeah, they are all about getting trophies, and and the yeah. in many respects, the um, there's been a lot more competition for 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 trophies between clubs, uh, and certainly, you know, someone like Manchester City wants to retain the FA Cup. Chelsea want want to win essentially a quadruple. Uh, yeah. You know, if they end up winning it, you know, at the end at the beginning of next season, uh, you know, and so certainly Arsenal definitely get the squad that they have the the pedigree they have definitely want to win and win something they want you know everyone wants to win something let's be clear about that but uh but a club like arsenal they're not uh they're not a club that that takes the idea of well we're not going to win a trophy lightly they want to win as much as they can uh and so forth so let's let's move on because uh now arsenal as we know basically now has a schedule of the remaining season for in the league. Uh, they're sitting yeah. in third right now. Uh, they're essentially in third based on, uh, you know, goal differential. Uh, but they have the, the made up game, the makeup game that they have, because they do have a game in hand has now been scheduled, which is kind of tightened their, um, tightened their schedule a little bit. Uh, from yeah. what I can see, like, so they have Brighton on Sunday and then they have the following Wednesday, they have West Ham and then, and then, um, and if, then away at Everton on the second of May, and then the last match of the season with Aston Villa on the ninth. Is that 
I'm, as, yeah, from yeah. what I can see the schedule, that's that's what I see in the schedule so far. So that's an interesting run of games, you know, with Brighton and Everton sitting in there. But let's talk about Brighton for a little bit. So Brighton, we've given a lot of um, props to over, um, you know, over the weeks, uh, you know, on, on multiple shows and so forth with, as they've been playing the, the other big sides. So what are your thoughts about Brighton going into this in match over the weekend? Um, yeah, look, it's it's another tough game, Brighton. Thing is, with Brighton, is you never know what Brighton's going to turn up. Um, they're a strange team; they're quite inconsistent. But they've taken points off Manchester City this season, Manchester United, and Chelsea. Um, so yeah, look, it's it's going to be a tough game, but it's a it's a home game. And obviously, there's no fans, but you still expect Arsenal to sort of win at Meadow Park and, and maneuver around there. Um, and they've got a really good record against um, Brighton, so they do. Um, so I, I feel, that, yeah, I, I feel that Arsenal, if they really want, really want to go into the Champions League, should be winning this game. Um, but yeah, look, it's going to be a tough game, and, and Arsenal need to be able to, to go and win it. So it's interesting because you know the yeah you're right you're right in saying that Brighton has been inconsistent, but interestingly enough, though they have won five of their last six in the league. Uh, but that one loss that was in the league was a five nil against Everton. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but two one against Chelsea, one nil against West Ham, two nil against Tottenham, two nil against Aston Villa, and then you got the five nil, which was that is that was that a blip? Was that like just an anomaly? Uh, and then you know, then winning the the game against Manchester United, one uh, nil at home. Um, so, uh, you're expecting a tough match from Brighton? What you know? Yeah, I am. I think I think every game in this league is sort of a tough game, but um, yeah, I am because Brighton can Brighton can they've proven this season that they can take points off the top teams. Um, so yeah, look, I am I am expecting a tough game, um, but if Arsenal at their best, then yeah, I think I think they'll win. I definitely think they'll create chances. Yeah, I mean, Arsenal being one of the top teams in the league, uh, as we've talked about many times in, in terms of their offense, and Brighton is is near is near the bottom in creating goal opportunities. Arsenal is near the top; they're up there with Chelsea in terms of being able to to you know generate uh, goal opportunities, in terms of being able to stop goal opportunities. Uh, Arsenal is third in the league, and Brighton is actually kind of mid-table, not too far behind. That's usually that's been their strength is you know kind of holding teams from creating scoring opportunities, um, as well as them holding teams from being able to convert them. Uh, moving forward, Arsenal, for example, in converting goal opportunities is best in the in best in the league, uh, while Brighton is tenth in the league at that category as far as stopping teams from converting their goal opportunities. Uh, Arsenal is fourth in the league, and but Brighton is sixth, uh, not too far behind. So Brighton's real strength from a statistical standpoint, from an analytical standpoint, is really on a defensive end. And as you can see in their results, the exception of that Everton match, they they were getting clean sheets. I mean, they were holding teams to one goal or, or none uh, in this uh, recent run, so on the defensive side. So does that mean, Josh, any t- any changes offensively, tactically for Joe Montemurro, or, or is it going to be like we're going to we're gonna dance with who brought us in terms of our tactics and, and personnel? Yeah, look, I don't really think you can, you can expect too many changes. Um, one thing I would say to watch out for is, Mirama on the left again and, and Caitlin mm-hmm. Ford through the middle. 
Um, I think that will that could be a standpoint this weekend, just for those pure overloads, really. Um, from out wide, like you've mentioned, Brighton don't concede many goals. Um, so they're well set up and and they're just well organised. So uh, Arsenal will probably play with a lot of width on on Sunday, I would imagine. Um, uh, if you look at last season's away game, not the season's last season's away game against Brighton. It was very much all overloads out wide. Um, Leah Williamson was playing as a, a right-sided defender. Um, so she was playing at right-back and she was spreading balls out into those wide areas with for Danielle van der Donk. And she was obviously playing as a winger there. Uh, I don't think she'll play as a winger this weekend. I think she'll, I think she'll probably play as a number 10. Um, and that's why I think Miedem will play as a winger. Um Arsenal like to sort of exploit Brighton. If you watch the last few games against the teams, Arsenal play with a lot of width against Brighton, um, and and that sort of allows them to open them up. And they don't really usually play down the middle. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of width on, on Sunday. That's sort of the main tactic I would expect from Joe Montemarro. Just those overloads that's worked on the last uh, few occasions against them. Um, so yeah, that's sort of what I'm expecting. As in terms of personnel, um, not don't really think we'll see many changes. Noel Maritz could maybe be back in, um, so she could play a, a right back. Um, I expect Leah Williamson, Lotta Women, Moy at centre back, and then left back Katie McCabe. Um, and then I expect Jordan Nobbs could come back in from the start. I think. She was she sort of crucial to these type of games, but in terms of if you look at Sunday's team to this Sunday's team, I don't really expect to see many changes. Maybe in goal with Zinsberger could play because she's better with her feet, so to speak, um, and and she could sort of hit those balls into those wide areas. But yeah, to be honest, I, I think Arsenal. I don't think they made too many changes from from what they did on on Sunday. Anyone on, you know, in, in terms of on the Brighton side that, that we should be watching out for and Arsenal should be watching out for and careful not to let her <laughs> get, get too involved in the match? Well, and, and that's a Kagman, you know, Dutch International. Um, she's been in great form. Um, lately, uh, scored against Manchester United last time out in the league, um, which put Arsenal in the third. Um, that's hopefully that she doesn't do that this weekend. Uh, so, I, th- I think Kagman, um, yeah, I think she's a massive, massive player for Brighton. Megan Connolly as well. Big fan of Megan Connolly. Um, probably doesn't get the credit that she deserves, but in terms of playing in and breaking in between lines, I think she's one of the very, very best in the division. And also, I expect Arsenal to have chances, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a massive fan of Megan Walsh, the goalkeeper. Uh, I think she is, again, in women's football, we say the term underrated quite a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Because uh, um, because the sort of I think it's a publicity thing as well, but I think Megan Walsh is, is certainly one of those in brackets underrated goalkeepers in in, in the WSL. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some games this season that she's been absolutely outstanding. So um, I think she'll probably frustrate Arsenal on, on Sunday. I think she'll have to be at the top of her game to make a few great saves. Um, so yes, yeah, the three players if if. I was an Arsenal fan uh, to, to watch out for in the Brighton would be Anessa Kagman, Megan Connolly, and, and Megan Walsh. 
And another player to watch out for also, you know, who has four goals is uh, Aileen Whelan, uh, who also, you know, is one of the better players in creating opportunities for the other players that you just mentioned. So another player to watch out for uh, in terms of Brighton, I would also say. Um, and looking at, Megan, yes, you know, Megan, you know, Megan Walsh definitely from a stat standpoint is pretty is certainly very under uh, very underrated does very well and it does very well in terms of keeping uh, expected goals out um and when you plan on a team like brighton you're going to end up getting when you're on brighton you're going to get a lot of opportunities in in goal <laughs> to, yes. to, to protect it um and so forth and she's done very very well um and so forth so um yeah 26 year old english um English woman uh, there. So two big questions then. What do you, what's your predicted scoreline? And will Vivian Minima extend her lead in the Golden Boot? Um, I think Arsenal will win 2-0. Um, they, won, they won 5-0 at Brighton yep. in the reverse victory this season. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, 2-0, I, I don't think they'll I certainly don't think. Well, I don't expect them to to hit five again. Um, will Miedema extend her? Yeah, I mean, it would be very, very silly to say that she won't score because every time she steps on the pitch, that um, you do expect her to score. But yeah, I think she'll score. But I also think Caitlin Ford will score. I think this, so, these mm-hmm. are the sort of games that Caitlin Ford has sort of thrived off this season, um, and I think that. Yeah, I think I think this is going to be a, a good game for for Caitlin Ford. Um, hopefully, I haven't jinxed there. But I think just just how Brighton play. Um, I think that with Ford's movement and around that box, uh, I think that she'll, she'll get chances. And and yeah, and I would expect Caitlin Ford to score as well. But I'm going to go two and Elliot with uh, Meadham and Ford with the goals. Yeah, there we go. Okay, I'm going to predict three nil, um, and yeah. I'm going to pick three nil because uh, I think um, um, I think Arsenal is going to come out with a very uh, again with another very professional performance. I think they want to just solidify that third place standing, and you know just make it clear they want to put a stamp on it. Uh, so I really see them coming out with a very clinical performance. Um, you know, I'm not saying that Brighton don't have anything to play for. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that they do. I obviously do from a competitive standpoint, pride standpoint, and so forth. But I think Arsenal really has a point to prove, and I think they really do want mm-hmm. to have a very professional clinical performance. And I think that's what you're going to see on see this weekend. Uh, so I'm going to say three 0 I'm also going to say that Mitoba is going to at least get one of those three. <laughs> you know, I can't predict the other other scorers, but uh, <laughs> I'll say that she's going to she's going to take at least one of those three. You know, uh, you know, so. Um, and because I think they, I think her teammates really do want to get her at least one. <laughs> so yeah. it'll be, I think it'll be three nil, but it's going to be a decent match though. It really is. I expect Brighton to be resolute and be organized and, and do what they've typically done. Uh, and, but I think in what's been the case for them is, and I think that's kind of what happened with Everton is, is they got a goal, got a goal behind and got a two goals behind and they kind of just, you know, mentally kind of checked out, um, you yeah. know, at that point. And when you mentally check out, then you're physically going to check out as well. Um, so, uh, but I think, I'm not sure that that's going to happen this time. I think they're going to, um, you know, they're, I think the win against United was really something that that's kind of boosted them a little bit. So, uh, so, but, you know, but Arsenal is on a roll right now. They're definitely on a roll. So, so with that being said, Uh, hello. What's wrong? 
Okay, I give me a moment. Give me a moment. I can get you some water, okay? Okay? Okay, I can get you some water later, man. All right? Can you go? I'm going to meet him, man. Come on. <laughs> okay. All right. Never mind. <laughs> Just keep on going. All right. So so the news, uh, you know, what's broken, uh, you know, t- uh, the football Twitter world has been the idea of this, uh, the Super League that has been uh, not just proposed, but it's just been, it's been created. And this was done in like this secret over a course of years, it seems like, and, and uh, this sort of Game of Thrones, ivory tower, you know, uh, type of situation, you know, in secret for years. Um, and it basically is a pyramid. It's they talked a lot about in their opening statement, talking about a, you know a pyramid scheme, uh, and that's really not a good choice of words uh, for them to have. Is like to say that that we're protecting the, the the soccer pyramid or football pyramid because you know basically the way it's set up, you've got twelve teams, actually fifteen to be invited, who are who are in a league. With no promotion and no relegation within them, they permanently stay there. You know, in perpetuity is like this club, and um, and then every now and then, what they do is they they they've allotted five slots uh, because it's supposed to be a total of fifteen. Um, and imagine what those other three teams are. We'll get to those three in a minute. But then they're going to give out scraps to five teams to somehow make it to, to join for a year. Uh, and then, you know, they get to compete in groups of 10 and then three or four teams from each group go to a quarterfinal. And then that's how you determine. But this is meant to replace the Champions League, replace the Europa League, replace all that, uh, or at least just blows it up. This was like, and, and the when you look at the at the 12, six of them are the big six from England. Um, so you have, you know, you have your uh, Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester United, Arsenal, Tottenham, and who do I forget? Who do I forget on the list? I forget somebody. But the top six, as we as we know it in, yeah. Eng- in English soccer, they're in along with three teams from Italy and three teams from um, Spain. Um, your top three in Italy, top three in Spain, of course. And then you have three slots. And it's interesting that that all 12 of those teams, if you look at Forbes' list of top 20 financially big clubs in the world, 12 of the 15 teams are in on the, are those 12 of the 12 of teams are all in the top 15. All right. Yep. And then three of them, um, three of them are in, um, the the other three of those fifteen that are not in are the two German clubs Bayern and Dortmund. The Bayern is third on the list, and I think Dortmund's like twelfth on the list. Uh, and then PSG, which I think is eighth or ninth on the list. So so there's no. <laughs> it's pretty clear who the other three teams in that fifteen are supposed to be, uh, and so forth. But why I bring that up here, obviously, is it's big big news. It's broken social media, but also they made a statement in their opening statement, basically saying that um that they're going to create once they create put the men's participation group out there they're going to create a women's league as well so after that long rant 
uh, and I now call it the Forbes Galactic Football League, um, you know, because it's a galactic empire. Uh, Florentino Perez came out yesterday and was Senator Palpatine uh, again telling the, the soccer world, we're trying to save you. We're trying to save you by creating an empire. Um, you know, you know, eventually I expect him to come out with like a hood and look like he'd been shot up with lightning and stuff like that from the from uh, the force or whatever. Uh you know, he's the worst spokesman ever for this type of situation, uh, but he's the only person that has that I would say has the courage, quote unquote, to actually step in front of a camera and make ridiculous statements. So, Josh, I turn to you, Josh, I want you to give us some sanity uh, or maybe not. What was your reaction, Josh, as a football fan, as an Arsenal women fan to the news of a Super League? Um. I thought I think it's a disgrace, uh, to be honest. Um, I just it's it's if that happens, it's the end of football as as, as we know it. Um, football was formed by the working men and the working people, um, and it's just being taken over by sheer greed. Six owners have made this decision for English clubs. Six owners. So you're not consulting the players, you're not consulting the coaching staff, and you're not consulting the fans. And the fans are arguably the biggest thing in football, and they have absolutely no say. So it's wrong. It's just completely wrong, and it's a criminal act what they're doing. It's a crime to everyone. It's just an absolute robbery. Um, and again, they just and they don't care. I mean, I watched Liverpool Leeds United last night, and I've never felt so disconnected to football. It just felt such a flat game. Leeds and Liverpool early on in the season would have been a great match. And okay, the football was it was it was an okay football game, but it just felt pointless at the end of the day because Liverpool are playing for what? And they're playing for in inverted commas, the Champions League. Well now it looks like they're going for the Super League. And Jurgen Klopp and James Milner came out on Sky Television England and said that they don't want it. So if they say they don't want it, how are their owners sitting there and and saying they do want it? Because they're taking everyone else for mugs. They're laughing in everyone's faces. They're all like they don't care about Liverpool Football Club. They don't care about anything apart from their back pockets and what's getting in their pockets. And what what is on what oh, it's just it's it's an, it's it's an absolute mockery of of football and I, I'm from an Arsenal perspective, I mean I cover Arsenal women, but why on earth are Arsenal wanting to enter a European Super League? Arsenal are ninth in the Premier League and have drawn one one with Fulham who are fighting relegation. Why are Arsenal wanting to play the in inverted commas again the top teams in Europe? And what annoys me about it is I read Real Madrid's statement on Sunday night saying they use the words the most important clubs in Europe. Who are they to say that they're the most important clubs in Europe? They're the biggest clubs because in terms of cash generation and cash flow. And that's all it's about. It's a crime. It's all about money. It's nothing about the football. It's nothing about the love of football. It's just about how much money they can eventually get out of people. And it's a European Super League that is the most, it should be called the most uncompetitive Super League. Because you can't get relegated, you can't win promotions. So what's the point? Yeah, and, and there is, and, and the point is, 
is the the point is there is it's a it is a franchise model. It it is a franchise model. You know, it is very similar to the uh, to MLS, Major League Soccer in the United States. It's very similar to the NBA, the NFL, and and it is no you know it is no um, surprise that the instigators of this are you know are the owners of Arsenal, the owners of Liverpool, the Henrys, the Glazers, who are you know who are also have their hands in American sports franchises. So we're basically they're bringing in an American enterprise you know franchise enterprise model where there is no promotion or relegation in the NFL. There's no promotion or relegation in the MLS. You basically buy your way in, you buy a franchise, you buy a club, and then your club is in the league in perpetuity. Uh, forever, no matter how good you are or how bad you are, you are permanently in. Uh, and one of the things that I thought about is that the Super League is exactly the same way. You know, um, it is exactly the same situation, is exactly the same setup. Um, you know, they, and they, they're tossing some crumbs out for possible promotion into it, some crumbs to five, you know, there. But what, what happens, you know, what happens if one of them wins? What happens if an Ajax or is invited? Do they get to stay next year or, 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 or no, well, you're not a member of the, of the 12. <laughs> so, uh, I think it makes a mockery of every other league as well. I mean, it does. It does. Rangers are unbeaten this season in Scotland. Uh, Rangers are, are champions of Scotland. Mm-hmm. They're they're so far unbeaten in the SPFL. Um, I mean, where's their invitation? I mean, Rangers have won more than Spurs. Mm-hmm. So, tell me why Rangers aren't in it. Right, but the reason why by Arsenal is in it is is mainly because they're worth two point eight billion dollars. That that's okay. that's the, they're they're the eighth richest team in the world. Uh, the reason why Tottenham is in it is they're the tenth richest team in the world, and they're valued at two point three billion dollars. That's why they're in it. Uh, you know, it's not, it has nothing to do with, it has nothing to do with necessarily with historical merit on the field. It has to do okay. with where they are from a standpoint of where they stand money wise. It is also, you know, and in, you know, so as the, the Leeds players in that Leeds Liverpool match, you just mentioned, uh, you know, you know, the, they wore a t-shirt saying earn it. And that's the point. The point is, is like, no, they, none of these teams really earned going to this super league. They, they, they have all this money and that's why they have it. It's also basic based on the idea of keeping teams out. Um, you know, out of it, because as we talked about before we started, you know, it, it, I, one of the things I thought about is there's been this flood of new owners in England buying, you know, buying clubs, investing in clubs, putting money in clubs with the idea of doing of earning their earning that club back into the Premier League, earning their club in the Champions League and so forth. This kills it. And so what they're doing is not is protecting the top of the pyramid. Perez talks about, you know, protecting, you know, the, you know, securing football, like, you know, Senator Palpatine up there trying to, you know, saying for peace and security, we have to have an empire. And that's exactly what he's saying. He's saying we're protecting football by, by making sure we're at the top of the, we're, we're at the top and we know better than, than everybody else. And nobody earns anything. And that's really the problem. It is not capitalism. Cap, earning money is not the issue. People are talking about, oh, it's all about money, earning them, earning money. No, it's not the issue. Actually, this scheme is very collectivistic. It's a very collectivistic model because they're basically taking the pie 
And instead of anyone earning pieces of the pie, they're keeping the pie for themselves and then sharing it amongst themselves. You know, it's the same model in the NFL where there's revenue sharing, everyone shares the TV deal and so forth. It's the same thing. Uh, it's the same thing, uh, you know, elsewhere in the, in as far as the U.S. markets are concerned or U.S. sports are concerned. But let's talk about women, the women's side of this thing. And I want to read you part of the uh, open letter that was sent out, uh, that was sent, uh, that was posted by Nat, Nadine Kessler, who is the, the chief of women's football for UEFA. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but, but I'm going to read you part of it, uh, of her statement uh, and so forth. And part of that statement, she says, she says, quote, why does this, the Super League, impact the, the women's game? And she says, women's football, its professionalization and development are still in the early stages. Only a small proportion of players, unfortunately, have full-time professions and guaranteed access to top-class facilities. While it's there, there have been momentous strides in the game, we need more clubs, federations, and governing bodies investing to provide professional structures for more players to benefit from. And we do not, o- we do not only need more clubs, we do not only need more clubs, but a better balance between those clubs so that more than just a few standout players can thrive on it. These clubs need to be able to have the ambition of being part of the top of the European women's women's club football, the UEFA Women's Champions League. With a closed European Women's Super League, this is not possible. Of course, such development would be equally devastating for all the national leagues who have made enormous efforts to professionalize the women's game, all the great steps made in recent years, including the hardship of many players gone before for our game to become a profession across Europe, will have less of a chance of becoming a reality. I can't see how this was said any better or could be said any better. What do you think of those statements, Josh? No, absolutely. Um, but what, what annoys me the most, um, sort of, the women's team haven't been consulted in this. So, mm-hmm. again, no one's thinking of the women's team. Um, they're just an afterthought as usual, and they're playing second fiddle. Um, and that's the thing that frustrates me the most. And if you're going to do a women's super league, um, or a, well, a, a European women's super league, how are you going to decide which teams get in? Are you going to play Liverpool? Mm-hmm. I mean, Liverpool are in the championship, right? So how are you going to put Liverpool in the this top league? And you're not going to have Leon. Oh, okay, they got knocked out of the Champions League on, on Sunday, but they've won the last five Champions League editions, and they're not going to be in the Champions League or the, the European Super League. Uh, I just think, honestly, I think they've, they've screwed over the women's teams again because it, it happens so much. Um, I just, women's football isn't anywhere near complete yet in itself. So I just don't understand. How you're think how they're thinking of a, a European Super League when in, in England it's getting better, it is getting better, and it has so much potential. But that's the word potential, it's not complete. So let's focus on completing our own league before even considering a European Super League. I'm on mute, <laughs> sorry, uh, and so forth. Um, yeah, exactly, and and you know, looking at the the twelve, you know, founding, you know, empire founders, uh, you know, the um, 
all 12 of them, you know, do have a women's team and 11 of them have women's teams in the top flight of, you know, their countries. The only exception is Liverpool. But the thing of it is, is get, but if you look at them, you know, they're very, you know, the, the top teams in Europe, if you want to look at that, uh, the, in terms of merit and on the pitch in terms of in Europe, then you have to have like Wolfsburg, uh, and Leon, uh, and so forth. So how does that, how does that structure set up? Um, you know, but it, it, it's, a, it's a closed system. It is not an open free market system. It's a closed collectivistic system that basically, and they, they talk about the money trickling down. It's not going to trickle down. Absolutely. It's and not going to trickle down. No, it's absolutely it's not. And when you're looking at Manchester United, Tottenham Hotspur, they're relatively new to the WSL. So when you, it sickens me when you look at Birmingham City, for example, right now, Birmingham City now are they're in a in a difficult position, obviously with money and again their their owners are are are, are not to, to put them in a horrible situation. But Birmingham City women used to play in the Champions League. They they, they fought for titles. So Birmingham City women have more history as Manchester United and Tottenham in, in terms of women's football. So Birmingham City would be an English women's super part and not Tottenham Hotspur and Manchester United. But Manchester United revenue and Tottenham Hotspur revenue is attractive. So they're always, go- they're always going to be in that league. And not that's what strikes me the most, and it's it's criminal that that, that it's allowed to happen um, in, in in that way. There there is more historical clubs. I'm not I'm not having to go at Manchester United talking about women, by the way, because what I think they're doing is it's great, and uh, it's a it's a, it's a work in progress. But that's the word progress. They're this is their second year in the women's super league, both of them. I mean. Two years in, in a league, and now you want to fire them into a in, into a European Super League. It, it makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, it it, it makes no sense, and and I, I would you know agree that it is it would be you know devastating overall. Um, and you know, it, are you as a supporter of Arsenal women? Are you disappointed that your club, you know, has signed on to this? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, do you know what? Like, I mean, you you know me as well, Keith. I mean, I watch a lot of Juventus games too. Um, mm-hmm. And from a man's perspective, I've absolutely no idea. Well, I've absolutely no idea why Juventus have said this is fine. Mm-hmm. I've no idea why Arsenal have said this is fine. And again, mm-hmm. Juventus women are a team in progression as well. I mean, they're they're they want to go further in the Champions League, but they've just in one action have just killed Juventus women's dreams mm-hmm. and they've just killed Arsenal women's dreams mm-hmm. because they've had no consultation and haven't been told one thing about it and you know what I mean I'm 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 I'm, I'm sick of all six English clubs who've done it and I agree with the perspective that they should be kicked out of Europe immediately but it's really difficult from a women's side because mm-hmm. it's not their fault, right? And okay, it's not right. the man's fault. It isn't. It isn't. Mm-hmm. It isn't the man's team's fault. It's not like I said. It's not the manager's staff. It's greedy owners. 
But why should they have to suffer for that? Mm -hmm. And they're going to be... Yeah, and they're going to be made to suffer one way or the other, and I think that's where the where the outrage from them is coming from. And I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that play, you know, more players start coming out, more managers start coming out. I know that Klopp made made a couple of statements. I know James Milner, plays for Liverpool, also made, you know made statements about it. Uh, I'm hoping that that some folks actually who were playing for these six clubs in England or the other clubs also, uh, you know, actually you know kind of step forward and and have something to say. And I think they will. I think there's a lot of fear involved. Uh, and I think fear is a huge motivator. And I think that that basically because it was really disturbing and disgusting that they that they used uh, the pandemic as a reason to do this. It, it, again, it reminds me of like, you know, it reminds me of of, of Senator Palpatine basically saying, well, because of all these horrible things that have happened, we got to create this empire to protect it to, for safe and security and so forth. And that's basically what he said. And he used the pandemic as a reason to yeah. create this, um, you know, um, and so forth and so forth. Um, so you need to go back to class, go back to class. You're okay. You're supposed to be in writing class now. Okay. Okay, please go back to class. Okay. Okay, go. Okay, you don't have to, you don't have specials until later. Okay. All right, cool. All right. Sorry about that, y'all. Sorry that it's, you know, child in Zoom school. Yeah. And dog. We have a dog and he likes to scratch the door when he's closed. Okay. Okay. So, um, so they create this this galactic empire um, of twelve, um, and um, uh, you know what was I saying? Um, but they use the pandemic as a reason to do it. Um, you know, and, and and it's you know fear of them losing their status. It's fear of them losing uh, their their pie. Um, now the thing of it is, though, is I will agree on one front, one point, and one point is. And they didn't really make that point, but I think Florentino Perez or, or Senator Palpatine made the made the point of kind of nuking UEFA and nuking FIFA. Uh, not, and and UEFA and FIFA, you know, they're they are not without blame here uh, in terms of how they how they've handled their business and what they have allowed to happen and, and, and so forth. Um, and, you know, the one thing that owners, particularly American owners, do not like to hear um, is um, do not like to hear is the idea of um, financial redistribution <laughs> uh, and so forth. Um so, so that's the that's the one thing they're like, nah, we're not into that. But the funny thing is, is they're going to financially redistribute within their own pyramid. So it kind of belittles the point. So, um, so with that said, so what do you think? I mean, there's been some talk about you know some talk about the idea of um, you know some talk of this not going through. There's been a couple of rumors that that now that like Chelsea and Manchester City are kind of backing out. Um, you know, do you think this is actually going to come through? I think eventually one day, yeah. Just not sure when. Mm, okay. But I do think it will happen eventually. I think, I know there's uproar and stuff, but like we always say, big boys and, and, and their toys and they've got the money and they've got the power to go and do it. Um, and I don't know when it's going to happen. I, who knows when it's going to happen. 
It could be the next year, it could be the next five years, it could be the next ten years. But I honestly believe something that will happen, yeah. And we can stop it, and and we can we can try everything. But like I've said before, there's owners there that don't care mm-hmm. about football. They don't care about the clubs. All they care about is what's in their pockets. And as long as that continues, that's all they want to happen, and that's all they want to do. And I hope it never does happen. But it's very hard not right now, with all this going on. It's very hard right now, not how to, how to see how it doesn't go ahead. Yeah, it 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 is hard. I mean, I think you know, I think it may not happen in this particular format. Uh, I think they're probably. I think it's going to happen, but I think there would be some level of, you know, negotiation and 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 sort of a, a peaceful surrender, uh, you know, uh, and uh, and so forth. I mean, it's like they aimed high, you know, in negotiation of, of you know, we're just going to go nuclear strike and then you know hope we get you know eighty five percent of what we want. Uh, so I think that that's kind of how it's going to going to happen. But from the women's game perspective, I do not see any any pro in any of this, even, even when it goes through in whatever capacity, because, um, because yes, you may have, if it, all of it is a bunch of ifs. I mean, Mark from the Barmy army said, well, you know, if they do create a women's European super league, then there will be more eyes on more, potentially more eyes, more money, more resources for, um, you know, for the game. The argument against that point is, is that it's only going to be within the 12, um, yeah, you know, and, and so and, and then it gives these these teams that you just mentioned that um, have not invested doesn't give the, those teams any, you know, they'll have less resources to invest in the women's game. Uh, and so the gap, as suggested in, in Ms. Kessler's, uh, you know, letter is the gap will essentially widen more so than it already is, which is the last thing the women's league want, t- women's game needs is the gap to be widened from the top to the middle, right, of, the, of, of sort of the competitive, Absolutely. because right now we've seen the more, seen more competitive balance across the leagues we have seen more competitive balance in england we've seen more competitive balance in the champions league we're now having a situation where we have the have we'll have a new champion in in the in the champions league i mean no offense to leon five-time champions great and so forth we're gonna have a new champion it's a team that's never won the champions league before will win the champions league on the women's side the balance is there but you create this galactic empire then you know uh there's no incentive for these other clubs who are not in it to put more money in the women's game because they're losing more money overall because they don't have a chance to earn their way into a champions league uh, or earn their way to get to uh, into another league, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I think, I mean, look at this here, for example, okay, Manchester United are, are going to be part of, of this, this European Super League but Manchester United have fought hard this year to qualify mm-hmm. for the Champions League mm-hmm. which shows you that these clubs can obviously they have had money behind them but it's uh, to be fair there's been a lot of good coaching there from, from Casey Stoney mm-hmm. um, but it shows you that those clubs can come up and they can compete in, 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 the, in the Women's Super League 
the women's super league is it's only going one place and, and, and it's only going forward. Um, so I just think that a European Super League would just damage all the work that that's been done in England over the last few years. English women's football is the best place it's ever been, and they just want to wreck it with one decision. And I'm 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 looking at the, at the other hand. I mean, obviously, I'm sure you've read it as well that that if you play in this thing that you can't represent your country. Who will want to do that? I mean, from an Arsenal perspective, Leah Williamson is is 24. You've got lots of women more. Anna Patton will probably be in the England set-up soon, I would imagine, because I think she's, she's done well this season. Um, and you've got young English players coming through that could 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 go to your home Euros in, in, in 2022. So why would they want to play in this? And never, never represent England ever again. It's just absolute madness. And the big thing in football is playing in those tournaments, the Euros, the World Cups. Why wreck it for an uncompetitive league? Well, and, and I'm glad you brought up that point because I think that it's going to be a major, major sticking point, and it may be the one, one of the compromises, uh, you know, that ends up happening. And I hope it doesn't because one of the reasons why this podcast, this video cast, actually exists is because there are several top level U.S. women's national team players that went over to the WSL, and that's that sparked an enormous amount of interest in the WSL in the United States because U.S. women's national team in the United States is more popular than the men's national team in the United States. Uh, and part of that is, is a lot of that is merit, uh, you know, to, to say the least, but nobody had talked about in the United States, the WSL until, you know, you had five players, six players go over to England to compete in the WSL. And now <laughs> that ends, this ends it. If if they can't, you know, if if this this you know ban on going to the national team, this ends it for that for anyone wanting to come in because it's like forget it, I'm out. You know, I'll stay and play for the NWSL. Um, you know, um, which is which is starting back up. Um, so, you know, that, that's a point. But I also think it's a sticking point that end up may, may end up sadly being compromised. Yeah, but that's the. There's always a phrase that says "hundred before club," um, mm-hmm. and, and I agree with it. I mean, obviously, yeah, your club pays your wages, but your country is an honour to play in. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm from Northern Ireland, as, as, as you can imagine, um, mm-hmm. and, and as all, all you know. But Northern Ireland qualified for their very first major tournament last week, mm-hmm. um, which is an incredible achievement, by the way, because mm-hmm. most of the players are are, are amateurs, mm-hmm. and. You're talking about, say, Liverpool. If they went into that Super League, you've got a player that plays Liverpool from, from Northern Ireland. Her name's Rachel Furness. So Rachel Furness has put blood, sweat and tears into the Northern Ireland national team for, for years. And you're telling me that because Liverpool are going to the Super League, that's all wiped out? I mean, I just think that's... That's just unbelievable, and that, it's just uh, they need a serious rethink. If they are going to do a, a, a super league, um, they're gonna they're gonna have a serious rethink re- rethink on that. Yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, you know, and, and again, I think 
you know, I, I strongly believe that there's going to be that's going to be a major sticking point in this going through. Um, you know, I, I also think that that there's kind of a house of, house of cards situation in the sense that, you know, you this, you know, as much as Senator Palpatine, Florinto, Perez, um, you know, you know, talks that this is all binding and everything else. The problem is, is that. Um, and I don't know, and maybe Josh, you can enlighten us on this, is that I don't know, is it because the Premier League teams need to have permission from the Premier League to join yeah. an additional competition. Is that the same in the WSL? Is it the same setup where they, they, they have to give permission as well? It's actually in a rule. There's a rule. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in the rule book. So what they're doing isn't allowed. And if they right. do it, then the Premier League, then, then they're out of the Premier League. Um, right, there's also and, been that possibility as well. Yeah, so if 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 we are if this is going to happen, well then it's good by Arsenal if from the WSL. It's good by Chelsea. It's good by Man City. Good by Man United and good by Spurs because it's not allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would mean they would be out of the WSL too. It looks like it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's what um, I would I would assume that. I would assume that based on um, based on if that's the way it, that the Premier League will in the WSL would be sort of hand in hand with that, but yeah. the, the WSL is run by the FA as opposed it's to the an Premier FA League, really, yeah, yeah. you know. So, um, so it's a different organization that that is overseeing the WSL versus the Premier League, but uh, but still, I would imagine it's going to be the same situation. Uh, that, yeah. all, that that they would be uh, essentially expelled. Now, the argument is is that the Premier won't the Premier League will not expel those six teams because they need those six teams in order for you know to make do on you know TV deals and 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 the money that comes in and the popularity the of those thing. six teams. They, they do need they they do know they do need those teams because of money, but the intent is there to leave it. So get them out. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean. I mean they want to leave. That's fine. Goodbye. See you later. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 let the likes of the, the Leicester and the Burnleys and the West Ham, they want to they, they want to stay there. Yes, okay, they haven't been invited, of, of course. Mm-hmm. But but let them play there and, and and let them get some success as well. I mean, if we're looking at the if we're looking at these these teams that that want to to be in this this Super League, one one and two are the two Manchester clubs. Fine. Fifth. Sixth, seventh, and ninth. Mm-hmm. Ninth. Ninth. Right. Why, as I've said before, is number nine in the Premier League wanting to play the best teams in Europe? Do they deserve? No. Leicester City are third in the Premier League. Why are Leicester City not getting a, an invite? Because they haven't got the money to do it. Right. And they haven't got that so called attraction. It's the European Money League, not the European Super League. It's the European Money League, and it's just an absolute shambles. And like we said before, if it happens, that's it. Game's gone, and and, and that's it. You know, what's interesting, though, is um, if you look at the Forbes Top 20 list, there's one team um, that you – there's one team uh, that – there's one team that is above – how many teams? Yeah, there's one team that actually ranks above – AC Milan. AC Milan is 16th on the list. Uh, the team that's in front of them is 15th on the list, and that's Everton. Uh, AC is in 
because they're one of the top three teams in in Italy. Um, but you know, it, it's interesting that 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 teams that are also in the top twenty on that list, like Everton and West Ham United and Leicester, is nineteenth. Uh, you know, on that list, but it's like this traditional big six, which, you know, and Tottenham is only in that big six. Again, they're 10th on the list. That's the only reason. It's the only reason that, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, they haven't won a trophy on the men's side in, in, in decades. And so, you know, I don't know how. I mean, Arsenal, you could potentially make an argument for Arsenal on merit uh, in historical sense um, and so forth. You could make an argument for them. Um, but really, it's the fact they're in the top 10 of the most richest clubs in the world. So, and that's why. Well, Arsenal are a successful club. Yeah, they are. I mean, they are. And and they've won the Premier Leagues and they've won titles and they've won a lot of trophies. But we're talking about the European Super League now and they can't beat Fulham at home Mm -hmm. and they're nice in the Premier League. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about the European Super League in 2021. Should Arsenal be in it right now? My honest opinion is no. Well, on merit on the field, no. Yeah, exactly. On merit on the pitch, no, which is how it should be, and that's and we already have that competition. It's called the Champions League. Yeah. Now the UEFA is going to try to re- reconfigure it to add more teams. I'm which not sure. I'm nece- course, by the way, I, which I'm not sure I'm in favor of that. I'm, I, I, you know, uh, because it's really not the you know. As someone argued the other day, you know, it's like, well, that's not the Champions League. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, and so forth. So, so that's another issue. So UEFA has something to do, need some work to do there. Um, and, and, you know, on the pitch right now, Arsenal women deserve to be, you know, in the champions league from a merit on the pitch standpoint, which is what this is all about yeah. is that is you earn your way there. Um, and, um, and, and that's what, that's the, I think that's been my argument overall, but it's basically, um, you know, uh, we, you know, uh, Senator Palpatine Perez, uh, you know, wants to, you know, says that we're, you know, saving football from itself because no one watches it anymore. Uh, who's 16 to 24 years of age, which is, you know, which is insane. Uh, another insane statement. Uh, so we're saving football by doing this, by giving you, be- you know, better entertainment or something like that. Um, and so forth. And it's, it's really a, a complete, uh, absolute farce and it, it, it is not it is greed in the sense of it is you know crony capitalistic collectivism greed uh is what it comes down to because because all clubs have to make money it's not about making money it's how you make the money and it is basically what it comes down to all right we have we're come down to the edge josh thank you so much for your time thank you for so much for no your worries. attention and everything else i appreciate your insights and so forth i hope this does not come through um, and so forth. I've, I've heard fans out there, you know, saying that they, uh, that, that, that if their club, you know, that's in the 12, you know, well, at least in the six, I've heard in England, if they, if they, you know, go through with this, that they're not going to, they're going to stop supporting them. They're not going to support them anymore. Uh, things like that. Um, you know, I'm not going to put you on the spot for that, but, uh, and so forth, but I, I've heard, you know, you know, um, in, even in, in listening to yourself and, and the emotion behind it, the passion behind it, which, you know, is, is really awesome uh you know emma herself she was talking about it you know talking about you know would she would she support manchester city if they you know continued forward and and you know um you know it's you know it's a hard sell and i i um 
it really is a hard sell for, for fans. I feel, you know, I think the fans of women's football, the fans of football in general, uh, is a lose-lose scenario that's happening here. Mm -hmm. and, and it's a hard one. Um, and so forth. I feel really bad for that. And I hope, and, you know, as I said yesterday, I said, you know, it's like, well, right now my club is not in it. Um, they're sitting on the sideline as we speak, but one wonders, yeah. <laughs> one wonders what's going to happen. Uh, so thank you so much, Josh, for being on. Appreciate no worries. It. No, I really appreciate it. All right, everyone. This is the end of our weekly specials of all the clubs. I'm going to come on later today to give you my full take on the super league thing. Uh, I don't know how that's going to roll, um, but you're going to hear me rant for a little bit. So check that out later. Uh, give you my final thoughts on that for the week moving forward. I'm sure this is not something that's going to go away. Uh, and thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. Hit a like on the video, share with your friends on your social media accounts. If you like what you see, you like what you hear. Uh, and so forth. We're on all the podcast platforms. So remember the light is out there. Please acknowledge it. Let it become part of you. Also remember that the darkness out there, we talk about Senator Palpatine, Florentine Perez, who's the Senator Palpatine of football now, but that is part of the darkness, but there's even bigger darkness of life out there. Please acknowledge that it's there, but don't let it become part of you. Don't let it hug you under any circumstance. If it does, please get some support, get some help, take care of yourself, take care of everyone around you, take care of yourself, take care of each other. And England is burning, is out for at least this morning. We'll see y'all later.